0: Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. That's good. That's fun. You ought to have fun in church. Some of you, you haven't gotten over being God's frozen chosen. Guess what? You're going to have to loosen up a little bit because in heaven, you're not going to be standing there like this. Well, we've been talking about Bible blockbusters, Bible blockbuster miracles, or Bible blockbuster truths and today i want to talk to you about the biggest loser now how many of you have ever seen the biggest loser it's all about people who are dangerously overweight and then they have a contest of who can lose the most weight in the fastest time and then the one who loses the most is the biggest and so actually they're the biggest winner but i want to talk to you about a man who is not the biggest winner but really is the biggest loser Jesus talks about him. He's called the rich man or the rich fool. And so let's look at Luke 12, verse starting at verse 13. Now, the setting here is Jesus is teaching about heavy stuff, eternal life, persecution, all kinds of things that really, really matter. And there's a guy in the crowd that's not hearing a word he's saying because he's so concerned about money. And he's the one that pipes up right here. And he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, now Jesus recognized a teachable moment. And he says, I'm going to dive in and I can tell, sir, that you're greed driven. And so I am going to talk to you about your money problem. You're putting way too much, so much emphasis on money. You can't hear what I'm saying. So he seizes a teachable moment and he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of, what everybody, all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he went on with a teachable moment and shared a parable. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And the rich man who had this excess stuff, began to say to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I've got so much, I've got no room for it. Wouldn't you love to experience that? All right. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll give it to the poor. Is that what he says? Nope. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store whose grain does he say it is? my surplus grain well then i'll say to myself you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be merry but look what god said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded from you you're not going to see another sunrise then who will get what you have prepared for yourself This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that, Lord, as we study and look at this man, the biggest loser, that you will help us to be delivered from anything other than a heart for God. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, money doesn't satisfy it doesn't. Now our story begins with this man who's listening to Jesus teach and he's all concerned about having done, been done wrong or done dirty by his brother who owes him money from an inheritance. So he wants Jesus to step in and handle it as a judge. Step into his business, get involved in his stuff and tell his brother what to do. But Jesus refuses to intervene and instead he deals with this man's problem with greed. He's, I'm not going to deal with what has happened to you or what you consider injustice. Let me talk to you about your real problem. Your real problem in your brother. Your real problem is not what you think you have coming to you. Your real problem is that you're so caught up in money you can't even concentrate on what I'm saying about everlasting life. You're dangerously distracted by other things. So he steps in and he says, let me tell you the truth. Now, he's talking to this man, but in talking to him, talking to all of us. He says, watch out. Be on guard against greed. For life does not consist in how much you have. You do not get happiness from things. Even the Beatles knew money can't buy you love. Money can take a lot of stress off of you, but it can also add a lot of stress. Jesus' point is, money doesn't bring you life. Things don't bring you life. They they really don't. So he's popping the American dream, which has always told us, if you obtain X amount of money and you get X amount of things and you really get everything that you want, then you will be happy. But it's not true. Scripture teaches that greed is an insatiable desire. Even if you get what you want, when you're walking in greed, it's never enough. You won't be satisfied. You get one thing and your desires only escalate and you want something else. It's like an addiction. You get one thing, you get this, you get that that you always thought you wanted, and thought that once you got it, you'd really be happy once you got it. You find you gotta have more and more and more because greed is insatiable. Jesus uses this opportunity to give a parable. Now keep in mind Jesus was God. So coming out of the mind of God is a description of a man, and God being God, He never misses, not one scintilla. When God describes a person, He was the great psychologist. He knew people better than we know people. Matter of fact, the Bible says of Jesus, He knew what was in man. So Jesus, being God, draws a picture of this man caught up in a spirit of greed. And He says... When his land began to yield more grain, he was already rich. He was rich before he began to get even more. It says his land was bringing forth an abundance, like having a bank account that already you're, you're a multimillionaire, but you keep getting more and you keep getting more and it just proliferates and it grows. He's already got more than enough, but to him it's not enough. He's not satisfied. The Bible says he had a conversation with himself. And you know, the most important person you talk to is you. And you're doing it right now, and you're going to do it when you leave. You're going to talk to yourself all day long. It's very important what you say to yourself. It says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build even bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. I am going to store up a major 401k. I'm going to have everything I could ever want. This rich man obviously thinks a lot about himself. Now here he is. He's, he's storing up all this grain. He's got more than heart could want. He thinks nothing of giving any of it away. He just says, "Here's what I'm going to do with it," and he decides to store it up just for himself. And as you read the picture that Jesus draws, it's very clear that this man thinks a lot of himself. He 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 thinks he is it. This rich man prides himself on his intelligence, his success, his efficiency, and his foresight in his business. His plans were like many Americans—that being to ensure his comfort for many years to come to develop a great retirement plan. Man, if I can just have a couple of million dollars laid away in retirement so that when I finally step away from the job, I can live off the interest, that's the way he's thinking. Now, I want to pull in tighter on him and kind of pick apart what Jesus tells us about him because really he's a sketch of the way America has been thinking for so long. First, he did believe he was intelligent. He thought he was smart, and and no wonder. He was incredibly successful. He was the Bill Gates of his day. He had acquired a lot of money. He believed he was a smart businessman. You know that he patted himself on the back. He He was very, very good at making wise financial investments and assuring the ongoing success of his business. He was good. You would want this guy as a financial planner because he would give you good advice. But how intelligent are you? Jesus wants us to to think, to consider. How intelligent are you if you don't consider the unpredictable nature of life? That is, you don't think about your days being numbered. This man, according to Jesus, never thought beyond the present life. He did not think down the road about eternity. He did not consider that he was temporary. You know, one of the psalms, David the psalmist prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, help me to number my days that I may apply my heart to wisdom. What's he saying there? He's saying, help me to remember that I'm not gonna last forever, that my days are numbered, that I am not eternal on this earth. One day I'm going to die. And, and, and when I think about that and realize that I have no guarantee of tomorrow, then I'm going to begin to live Wisely. Help me to number my days so that I can apply my heart to wisdom. Live a wise life. You know, there's a lot of people with high IQs that live stupid lives. There's a lot of people that are very smart on paper, but they are like this rich man. He did not consider that his days were numbered, and that's one of the things Jesus brings out about him. And James talks about this in his little letter in James 4, verses 13 to 16. Listen to what he says. He says, listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this city and stay a year and make money. That sounds like this rich man. Today or tomorrow, we're going to take a little trip and go into a city, and we're going to invest in that city and work in that city and make a certain amount of money. James goes on, but you do not know about tomorrow. You do not know about tomorrow. You don't know if you have a tomorrow, is what James is telling us. Don't presume on your life. You know, I watch Hal Lindsey all the time. I like watching his prophecy show. And Hal Lindsey and his show, he always ends it saying, if the Lord wills, I'll see you next time. I like that. Because that's wisdom. Listen to what James says. What is your life? It's like a fog. You see it, and soon it is gone. Boom. You wake up in the morning, and there's a fog out there where you can't see your hand in front of your face. But in one hour, the sun rises and burns it all away, and it's gone. James said, that's your life. Your life is a blink sandwiched in between two eternities, three score and 10, maybe four score years we get, 70, 80, and that's it. And then we fly away. James said, you ought to think that way. He said, if the Lord wants us to, we will live. Now, I'm going to read that again. If the Lord wants us to, we will live. and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Scripture is clear. There's no guarantee of tomorrow, and that we should live in a daily dependence on God. If the Lord wills, I'll get to the end of this day. If the Lord wills, I'll get this or that done. If the Lord wills, I'll see my next birthday. If the Lord wills, I'll see tomorrow. But if the Lord doesn't will, then folks, we're not going to be here. And that's wisdom. When you think that way, then you live godly because you know and you make the most of your time. See, there are people who say, when I reach a certain age, that's when I'll come to Jesus. That's when I'll give my heart to him. That's when I'll sell out. That's when I'll really become a disciple. And you know what? They almost never do because that day never comes because the Bible says today is the day of salvation now is the appointed time. Right now. You you have today. You have now to do what you're going to do for God. Whatever you're going to do for God, do it now. Because there's no guarantee. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. And that's what the Bible says. And our rich man in the parable fits James' description perfectly because he's assuming he's going to have 10 years, 20 years retirement. And God comes to him and says, tonight is your night to meet your maker. He was smart about investments, but foolish about the temporary nature of life. So in Jesus' parable, God looked down from heaven and said, you fool, this very night, your life, your soul is going to be demanded from you. Right in the middle of his best laid plans, his time on earth came to a close, just like that. So it's not really very intelligent to put yourself in that position. Do you consider yourself smart, intelligent? you got a decent IQ? Then let me submit to you. You will not only think about the brief 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 that remain in your life, but you will also be thinking beyond that to eternity. That's what Jesus taught. And am I ready to meet my maker and am I living the way I should? And has he really got me or am I kind of playing church? You know, there's a lot of people that should be in church today, not just here, but a lot of places. But they haven't put the Lord first. They're doing other things. Intelligence considers all the options, including the eternal ones, because, hey, we're only here for a blink, and then it's over. Now, next, our rich man really thought he had great foresight. And in a business sense, he did. He was very careful to think about everything long before the time so that he would not reach a day where the money ran out. He wanted to be real sure the money didn't run out. And you know, I think about the elections that are coming up November 6th, just a couple of weeks, and how it just seems our country cares about one thing, the money, the, the indebtedness, the, 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 the economy, the And I know that's important, but folks, life is more than that. Jesus said that your life doesn't consist in what you possess. There is way more to life than how the economy is doing. We ought to be thinking, what about the spiritual condition of America? What about the the moral condition of America? What what about the way America has departed from God? That sits on me like an 800-pound gorilla. I want to see America turn back to God. And if America will turn back to God, the economy will take care of itself. Kick back, he thought, this rich man. I'm building bigger barns. I've got more grain. I've got more than enough. He thought to himself, You've worked hard. Now enjoy your latter years. You deserve it. You can live comfortably off the interest. You're set. He dreamed, I am quite sure, of all that he would do in the years ahead, all the golf courses he would play, all the cruises he would take, all the exotic places that he would visit, all the days of relaxation he would enjoy. All those things were on his mind as he thought to himself. But his thinking about the future, his foresight, only reached a few years down the road. He wasn't thinking about what lay beyond this life. He was concerned about old age, but not about eternity. His intelligence didn't consider the brevity of life, and his foresight didn't take eternity into account. Have you? Even if you're 13, 14, 15, I assure you it goes pang like that. Seemed like yesterday I was twenty. And now being twenty four, let me tell you, it's gone fast. (laughs) And then there was his view of himself. No doubt about it. Our rich man surveyed his barns, his fields, his investments, and patted himself on the back. He had it made in the shade, he thought. He'd won the game of life. He was on top of the pile. He'd arrived. Our rich man. But what is successful about a man who dies and leaves everything he worked for behind and didn't? Store up anything for eternity. When all that you've worked for will only be enjoyed by somebody else, have you really succeeded, Bill Gates? Have you really succeeded, Donald Trump? If you win the world, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world and all the money in it but lose your own soul? There's no profit. There's no profit. The most important possession you've got is not your bank account and not your job and not your health. It is your soul that has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's the most important possession you've got. But he worked all of his life to live it a few short years and then die and left it all to somebody else. Solomon realized this and it vexed him. It vexed him. He wrote about it. Ecclesiastes 6, verse 2, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, wrote these words, God gives some people great wealth and honor and everything they could ever want. But then he doesn't give them the chance to enjoy these things. They die. And someone else, even a stranger, ends up enjoying their wealth. This is meaningless, right, Solomon? A sickening tragedy, end quote. I work all of my life and I leave it for somebody else that didn't work for it. He said, that's not fair, but it's a fact of life. I saw a bumper sticker one time and it read, he who dies with the most toys wins. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus would not agree with that bumper sticker. That bumper sticker encapsulates the philosophy of America, that if you die with a lot of things, you win. No, I'm going to tell you, you can die with a lot of things and lose. You can die with a lot of things and be the biggest loser. Because you can't take anything with you. Naked you came into this world, and naked you will leave this world. You didn't bring anything in, and you're not taking anything out. Even though some people try to the point of even requesting that they be buried with certain things they were attached to. Sir Walter Raleigh was buried with his favorite pipe and a tin of tobacco. And I assure you, Sir Walter, there's no smoking over there. Wild Bill Hickok was buried with his sharps rifle. Wild Bill, there's no shooting over there. Bella Lugosi was buried with his Dracula cape. There's no biting over there. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart was buried with a small gold whistle that reminded him of Lauren Bacall. But you can't take her or it over there. Elvis was buried with a diamond ring, and Frank Sinatra was buried with a flask of Jack Daniel's whiskey. Sorry, Frank, you did it your way. But you're not going to drink over there, and nor will the Rat Pack be with you. And I got this one, Sandra Eileen West. You don't know the name, but she was a California socialite, and she was buried with her 1964 Ferrari. They dug a great big hole and lowered it down with her in it. But you can't take it with you. See, all these people wanted to take with them what they can't. They took right to the grave what they were attached to instead of being attached to Him. This cuts to the very word uh, meaning of the word sin. You know what sin means from the Greek language? It means to miss the mark. We think of sin as, well, I, I just messed up and I, and I did something that God didn't like and My relationship with him is cut off. Yes, that's true. But the real meaning of the word is to miss the mark, to miss the bullseye. It means you miss the meaning of life. You don't hit the bullseye. You can become a billionaire and miss the mark. You become famous and miss the mark. You can break all the rules and live to 90 or 100 years old and become a centenarian. But when you die, if you didn't live for God, you still miss the mark. If you live a life of sin, you can acquire many, many, many things. But God looks at you and says, fool, you missed the mark. You didn't hit the bullseye. You didn't live for what life is truly all about. I'm so thankful. I told both services, and I'll tell you, I'm very thankful. By grace, I stand. But God touched me when I was young, and I gave my heart to him fully and completely when I was 18 years old and started preaching when I was 18. I've been preaching the vast majority of my natural life on earth and I'm so thankful that God got me young because I've served Him all these years and I say that to His glory because I was one great big mess but God took a mess and made something out of it and let me preach, and I've preached tens of thousands of messages to hundreds of thousands of people, and I've seen thousands of people come to Christ. And and I'm so thankful that I served him because, listen, I believe that even though you can't take anything with you, you can send treasure ahead of you. You can send it ahead. Well, Pastor Jeff, how can I do that? Listen, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths, corroded by rust, stolen by burglars, and taxed to death by the government. Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't say that. <laughs> that, just, that was a Freudian slip. That just came out. He said, store up treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars and the government. Can I tell you that spiritual riches can't be taxed? can't be stolen, can't be tarnished, can't be corrupted, can't be taken. Spiritual riches are safe and secure in the nail-scarred hands of Christ Jesus. You can live for the Lord on earth and in so doing, send treasure, store up treasure in heaven. The Bible promises He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who seek the Lord and do his will. That's why I believe in giving to others and ministering Jesus and letting your light shine and letting your life count for God. When my all-time favorite pastor lay on his deathbed, Pastor Howard Knatzer, there was a room full of men, elders and his pastors, and he was just hours away from going to meet the Lord and he stuck out his long bony finger that I was very familiar with because he was always pointing at when he preached. And he said, man, whatever you're going to do for God, do it now. He was 52. He thought he had many more years. Thank God his life counted incredibly. Listen, part of him is standing here in me talking to you. I stand on the shoulders of people that mentored me. I thank God for the men that influenced me. Howard Knazer through his life and me being under him for a number of years is talking to you in part right now because my life was changed because of him and that's going to be part of the reward he receives in glory. Folks, listen, live for the Lord, live for Jesus, live for God. You'll never regret it. I have presided over many funerals and I have been... At the bedside of many people about to meet the Lord, and I never had one person say to me, boy, do I regret serving God. Boy, I so regret all the time I gave to the work of God. I've never heard it. I have heard, if only I'd loved my loved ones more, if only I had served the Lord more, if only I hadn't waited so long to come to Him. But I've never heard, boy, I wish I hadn't served God so much. Because that's a life well spent. That's a life well lived. See, this rich man, in the end, he placed all of his eggs in the wrong basket. He'd been all about material riches, but had no sense when it came to spiritual riches. Jesus sums up his life in four sad words. Not rich toward God. Not rich toward God. Jesus summed up his life. Not rich toward God. Only rich toward himself. Listen to all the personal pronouns in Jesus' description of this man's inner thought life as he thought to himself. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, and I'm about to throw up reading all these. (laughs) Now take it easy, he said to himself, eat, drink, and be merry he, himself, I, my, myself. I counted 15 personal pronouns in two verses. He's just, He would have really fit in our culture. It's all about me, what I can get. I'm entitled. You owe me. I, I deserve it. You, you should give this to me and that to me. It's all about me. Make me happy. I want to be happy. It's all about me. My world, the sun in my life around which I rotate is me. No wonder there's so many unhappy people and so many people on Valiums at a record level because you're never happy when it's all about you. No wonder God called him a fool, the biggest loser, at the height of his success. God decided his life had gone on long enough and it was time to call him to account for the way he had lived. God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. I looked up that word required. In the Greek language, it comes from a word meaning your soul entrusted to you by God for a time is now demanded back. And it struck me, even our soul is a trust from God. Even our soul. I hate to break it to you, but you don't own anything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You say, that's how new do, Pastor Jeff, my name's on it. See how quick you can lose it. He owns it, and He owns our soul, and our soul will return to Him. So the rich man who had seemed to have it all entered eternity in poverty. His intelligence, foresight, perceived success failed him on the other side. On earth, he looked like the biggest winner on the cover of Forbes magazine if he'd lived today. But in heaven, he was considered the biggest loser. Jesus closed by saying, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And so the Lord ended his warning about greed. I have in my hand a dollar, dollar bill. Now, this is my dollar for now. It's a trust. It's really owned by the government, but I've got it. It's my dollar right now. And guess what? I can spend it any way I want. It won't get me much right now. But it's my dollar. I can spend it any way I want, but once I spend it, I can only spend it once. Once I spend it once, it's gone. It's my dollar. I can do anything I want with it, but I can only do it once. That's the way the Lord sees our life. Your life and my life. I've given it to you. I've entrusted you with a soul. You're thinking, seeing, hearing, functioning, living. I've given it to you. But how are you spending the dollar? You can spend it any way you want. You can go live in sin. You can live for yourself. You can do whatever you want. But you can only do it once. And then the day is going to come when God will call us up to himself and say, How did you spend... A dollar. Were you rich toward me? Or were you like the rich man? Me, myself, I, me, you, me. That's a thought, isn't it? Rich toward God is how much of my time does he get? Does he get a tithe of my time? Does he get a tithe of my money? Does he get a tithe of my talent? Does he get a tithe of me? And, and if you're really wise, you'll want it to give me more than a tithe. I want to be rich toward God. Once it's gone, it's gone. Now, can we stand up together? And we're going to pray. And for those of you that are guests, as soon as we dismiss... We want to meet you over across the hall, in the fellowship hall. We're going to give you something to eat, something to drink. But right now, here's the most important thing. Let me ask you a million-dollar question with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I don't know if I'm being rich toward God. Let me ask you a question. How are you spending the dollar? Are you spending the dollar to glorify God, to give back to Him what He has given to you, to honor Him, live a life for Him? I hope so. I'm believing God for a church that is all about being rich toward God. And I want to just kind of stand in the pathway of your life and ask you to do a little diagnosis of yourself. And ask yourself, how much of me is God getting? How much of my time? How much of my affection? Am I prioritizing God? If you can say, Pastor, I try, but I sure know I could do better, and I sure know that listening to this message, I want to be richer toward God than I have been. Can I see your hands here today? God bless you. Many of you, I want, us to, I want us to pray a very important prayer. I want you to say with me, say, Lord, today I want to be rich toward God. I don't want to be like this foolish rich man who seemingly had it all but had nothing that really mattered. Help me to live wisely sowing myself to you on a daily basis now Lord you see these precious people and I put myself right in here in the middle of it Lord time is going by it's passing quickly help us to be rich toward you that our church that our individual lives make an impact for God everywhere we go, that this city will know that we are here because of the glory of God and the witness of Christ, that this country will know that we were here because of our witness for Christ. Save me, church. Lord, be glorified in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord.